Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Teacher Talk, a podcast for like-minded educators and those interested in education. Today, I'm joined by Chantal Asante, who is a London-born and partially raised and lived and studied in the US. Chantal has been in education for 11 years. She's been teaching for eight years. And in those eight years, she's taught in the UK, the USA, and the UAE. And she's been in teaching in the UAE for four years now. And she's gonna be telling us about that today. Her teaching philosophy. <laughs> Firstly, she is not God, as she says. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't perform miracles, nor is she the fountain of all knowledge. However, Chantelle is an agent of change, an agent of progress. She enjoys working with children to extend, to teach and reach for skills, knowledge and purpose. Coming in strong. You know what the thing is, I like your philosophy the philosophy because when i was reading it the um, when you first sent it to me i thought actually it's true because there's so much pressure on educators to actually be god and to be actually making miracles because i feel like education doesn't even take into account the backstory, the background story of each child. So they expect every child to have the same result, the same outcome without actually taking into account. And the pressures essentially are put on the teachers, the ones that are like yeah. With those children every day, not necessarily even like SLT or anything, it's usually put on the um, us, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You you know, um, in my experience and in my years in this game, you you do especially when you first start out, you you want to be God. To mm. be honest, you, you you know you want to make sure that all of your children. Um, you know, get to where they need to get to. You you want to you want to perform those miracles. Um, you know, the little boy who's struggling to read and then he's reading forty pages. But the the reality of the situation is, you're going to have those wins, and you're you know, you can you are going to have those wins, and there are going to be times where you see yourself winning in that way. But you're also going to have to be very clear. Well, to be blunt. You're going to have more losses than wins. Mm. So of all the children that you get, you can have maybe five that are below. Maybe one of them is going to make it. But we cannot, in my, in my experience now, we can't take that on, you know. We can't take that on. Because of those five children, you've got one win. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. The other four, there's so many reasons why. And those reasons were there before you got there. They, exactly. they weren't there. You know, they weren't, you didn't create them. You didn't create the problem. And now you're trying to find a solution. Mm. There was a problem that was already there that you need to find a solution to. So we work all year to find those solutions. And sometimes those solutions work, 
and sometimes they don't and we've got constraints um it's not just about okay you know this child doesn't know their times tables what do i do um there's constraints in it you don't do times tables all year in math you know in a particular year year level whether it be year three or year four that's not the only thing you do if that was solely the only thing i was doing for nine months or you know nine months of the school year um i can get him to get his tables done but outside of that i need to look at you know other aspects of math so on the background we need to be working on his times tables if that background is not running effectively it's not going to get done effectively you know so we, we want to come up with those solutions and we try our hardest to come up with those solutions, but we are not God. We cannot perform miracles in a way that um, people expect us. There's an expectation. Oh, well, you're a teacher. My child should know. No, 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 B. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. I'm a teacher. I've got a curriculum. I, I've got to follow um, certain pathways and I'm going to help your child get to that end, you know, get to that end goal. But if they don't get there, that's not solely my fault. That's not their fault. That may not be your fault. It might be that they just take longer to get there. And that is okay. But as far as my year, I'm up. Deuces. Can't help you anymore. Go to the next person. Exactly. And, you know, we keep, we, we, we keep trying. So, yeah, like you said, I, I think there's an expectation sometimes. And sometimes the expectation comes from us. Mm. You know, especially new people coming into the game. Yeah, yeah, I can do this. I can do that. It's not easy. Being an agent of change is not easy. No. It takes experience. It, it, it takes time. It takes reflection. You can't just come in and change a system. No. You know, and I feel I'm, that now, when I first, it's like you said, when I first started teaching, you wanted to be um, al- almost that miracle worker and almost mm-hmm. in, um, right, I'm going to, you know, be that different. Because I think people glamorized teacher. I think people either are slaughtered, we're either getting slaughtered or we're being glamorized in yeah. the media. So you've got that thing of, you know, when you, there's one film I used to watch all the time, Music of the Heart, whatever it is, with Meryl Streep, like this violin teacher that came to work in like the inner city in um, New York or wherever. And she just, you know, transformed these students' lives with the violin and realistically even me as a music teacher I can come in and you've already got these students who already have made their mind up about music or maybe they had a teacher where I've experienced before a teacher previously where the teacher themselves was so disengaged and didn't bother with the music curriculum so then the kids already have that mindset where they think it's not important so you actually have a massive battle and a massive war to tear down before you even get to do what you need to do. Do what you need to do. And that's what I mean. Where you said, like, mm. us kind of being agents of progress, I do think we can be those agents of progress, but in our own way. Yeah, absolutely. And when I say agent of progress, because exactly what you said, so you've got a battle already of you've got a set of you've got a set of students that are coming to you um their last experience with a music teacher was hell you know they they didn't enjoy it Mm. so they've already come to you with a preconceived uh, notion yeah so when they come to you now it's okay hmm. for me to for me to attain or get to where i need to get to i need to break down that door and that's what that agent of progress is 
because breaking down that door, breaking down that barrier and getting those children from A to C is progress. You may not necessarily get through all of your curriculum. You may not, you know, and I can say that even like maybe in a term. So maybe in term one, you didn't get through everything that you needed to get through. But you know what? You change the mindset of children when it comes to music. That is progress. Progress is not always statistical. Progress is not always data. Progress is not always tangible, you know. Um, And a lot of times in education, progress is actually intangible. We can't, you know, sometimes um, even as educators, we, we, it's almost, you know, when you're saying to a parent, oh, your child's made progress, well, tell me, uh, show me how, tell me how. Mm. And sometimes you're like, dang, that's a good question. I don't even know how to answer that, but I can see it. Mm. Like, I know what they could have done before. I know when Johnny came in the room, you know, he wouldn't even come in my music room. Yeah, I mean, like he was coming to class and standing outside the door. Now he at least comes in and he sits down with the kids. That's progress. Exactly. And we are constant agents of progress. We are constantly, oh, sorry, can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are constantly looking at how we can get progression out of these children. And like I said before, any win is a win Mm. when it comes to education. Any win is a win. If I can get Johnny to come in the classroom, that's a win for this week. Yeah. Okay, next week I might hold hold off, just get him to come in again. All right, now I can get Johnny to come in the classroom and sit down with the class. That's a win in week four. Okay, cool, week five and week six, I just leave him. Um, I'm not going to give him no instruments. I don't want him to, to mess up my, my room now, you know, start throwing things about. So he's coming, he's sat down. That is progress. Exactly. It's you know, true. that's progress. It's is it tangible progress? Can I say, you know, oh, well, he's, he's checked the box here. No, because those are not boxes on, on, on the curriculum. Mm. That's not a box on the curriculum. There's no box on the music curriculum that says, have the child come in and sit down. That's yeah. not on there. You know? But we're agents of progress. We want to be agents of change, yes. And actually, we might even be agents of progress before we can become agents of change. Because yeah. we need to see that progress before we can even change anything, you know? So... um that's kind of where I feel, I feel in my teaching career, as it were, so far. That's where I've come from. I've seen progress in children that I can say, yeah, look. I, I got them from a C. Just overall speaking, we don't even use those, use those grades. But I've got them, you know, from the, um, this point here, a C to, you know, a B plus, as it were. Like I've got them. I've, I've, we, we've done that together this year. Again, uh, I have actually seen children who, I don't think they were going to read. Mm, when I worked in the state, they worked in kindergarten. There was a couple of kids, I was like, man, listen, if you ain't finna get these phonics, I don't know how to help you. Because you need to read within the next, like, four months. We need to make this happen. It's now mm. January, and you're still telling me you don't know these sounds that we've been going over for the past, you know, four months. And come May, literally reading a book, the cat sat on the mat. And was, look at me, go on, play, play. what's that in sound? In, playing. Yeah. That's progress. And I think in primary, you know, shout out to you primary teachers, obviously like with music or even just in secondary school in general, we, we are seeing them for like that hour a day. Well, if you take it in primary, you're actually teaching them 
like those skills of reading, writing, showing understanding. And when they, you know, by the time they get to year seven, when we see them, they already have those skills already. We're kind of like tailoring their skills to our specific subject. Whereas you're doing that reading when you're doing geography or science with them, even maths with them. So in primary, you're actually really like that primary experience really is the foundation for students school experience because I think you know some of our children especially when you think about like black children whereby you know they've had that difficult primary experience that easily gets brought into secondary school um, because Mm. I feel like that kind of mentoring that um, intervention needs to happen really in primary school Um, and a lot of the times that gets missed it does get missed and primary is, it's important. It's, I think it, it's so much more important than people deem it to be. I mean, every part of education is important, don't get me wrong. Um, but, and they're important for different reasons, mm. you know what I mean? So you've got your nursery. Nursery is important for social skills. Nursery is important for um, that understanding that, I am a person and there's other people around me, mm. you know, just get, getting, getting that ideal and ideology into a child. We're doing that in nursery. Yeah. Then primary is this, okay, I am a human. I am a person. There's other people around me. I know that I play with them all the time, but I need, I need something that's going to take me a little bit further. So I need to read. I need to know how to count. Mm. Um, you know, I need to know how to talk properly. I need to know how to write. So we're instilling all of those skills, but those skills are the fundamental skills of being an adult. Mm, no, it's true. And when you don't have those skills, we know what that looks like. As adults, we mm. know what that looks like when someone struggles with reading and now they're an adult. We know what that looks like when someone struggles with writing and they're an adult, when someone struggles with counting and they're an adult. So, you know, um, it's, it's those fundamentals and it's the, it's the groundwork. It is the groundwork. And when children do not have um, secure or even just for layman's and just a happy primary school life or experience, as you said, it, it's detrimental. It's detrimental. It should not be in, in, I don't even know how to, there should not be any child that goes to year seven that does not know how to read, write, or count. Mm. But yet we have them. No, it's true. It's true. We do. And we have a lot of them. And um, even recently, I was um, I stumbled across these two famous vocal coaches, and they've got four children. That like three of the children are adults, um, and they've got a young. Um, some but all four of their children have an SEND but they were saying just like kind of how they had to like fight um, for their children to kind of be seen in the class and think even one of their children and they were even saying before actually has almost was almost in their own lockdown because they the school actually got rid of them 
and they've not been in school for two and a half years. So when it actually got to COVID, it, they were saying it didn't change anything for them because their child wasn't wanted in school as well. So I feel like we, there's just all these things sometimes where I know the kind of educators that I surround myself with and that you surround yourself with, we do want to actually nurture every single child that we're with, but you do have those teachers, whether it's a behavior, a behavioral aspect or whether it is um, an SCND need, those children, they often get dismissed so quickly because obviously yeah. teachers are human beings. So you have actually some human beings who are so dismissive, they just, you know, oh, this child interrupt, in, is seen as interruptive, they're seen as um, disruptive, poorly behaved, I don't want them in my classroom. And so often those children then just get taken out of the classroom. I think then in primary school, it's probably seen more in um, primary than secondary, but you know, when there's the parents on the gate and then they're complaining about this child and that child's behavior. And those children just get taken away and dismissed. And that's where the system kind of lets them down. Yeah, I remember when um, I was a TA at this point in London, um, what, what they would call a HLTA. <clears throat> I think it was my first year um, as a HLTA. And I had this little boy, um, I was a one-to-one, I had this little boy, a black boy, had behavioural issues. He did have behavioural issues. Anyway, um, when I was with him in class, he... Um, he would behave, wouldn't have any issues. And one would say that's why he had a one-to-one, so that bit didn't happen. But as we know, um, in a school, there's only so many resources. So if I was called to go somewhere else and I wasn't in class um, with him, couldn't do it, couldn't hack it, just fool around, act, just act a whole clown for the teacher. And one day, um, I got a report back that he was just awful. He was absolutely awful. So I spoke to him. I was like, kid, what's going on? I was like, if I was there, you wouldn't have done that. Apparently him and some other boys, you know, the, the, um, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> they all got up in the middle. This girl was teaching math. And I say, girl, she was young. It was a, a young white girl. She, she, I don't think she was from, she might have been from like the outskirts of London. I, I can't even remember, but anyway. She wasn't used to the hood, the hood kids. Yeah. And she was teaching masses in the middle of her mass lesson. And three, three of them got up and they started basically like just doing all kind of dances. And <laughs> wahoo! And they had the audacity, you know, to start even singing a song. Dun, 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 dun. Hey, hey! It's not funny. Are you not taking... <laughs> <laughs> but my thing was, yeah. If I was in that classroom, the, the thought of even doing that would not have crossed any of your mind yeah now, mind you she was a teacher she's a teacher say was I, I, I don't know i don't know if she's still teaching but she she's the teacher at the moment and i'm the ta so i was like my presence in the classroom would not even have allowed you to even think okay let me get up and dance much less sing the song as well you're taking the mic now you're really taking the mic out of my life you, you didn't just dance or you didn't just sing you did both that's out of order so I said to him, I was like, like, if I was there, would you have done that? So he was like, um, no. I said, why not? So he said, um, because I respect you. 
I said, okay. I said, well, why is that? He said, because when you're next to me, it feels like my mum is in the room. Mm. So I know that I wouldn't do that. Do you know, it, and I'm talking, this was like about 11 years ago now. Um, he's probably a big boy now. Um, that was so profound to me mm. because I, I think at that moment, I also knew, do you know what? I am needed. Yeah. Someone like me is needed. Um, they see, you know, these children are seeing white females all the time. They have now even, you know, in their minds, he was in year four at the time. Mm. So this is a seven and eight year old calculating that I do not need to respect this girl because these are girls that I see all the time, every year, every yeah. year, same type of teacher, every year, every year. And so he's like, yeah, it feels like my mom's texting me and I wouldn't do it if my mom was there. Mm. I said, well, but I need you. So now I need to then train him to understand that even if I'm not there, you yeah. have to think in your, in your head that I'm there and this is mm. how you behave. In the end, um, he actually got kicked out of the school. Gosh. He got removed. They they told it, you know, they told the mum he needed to go to a pre. The mum went for the patient. Right? Um, they told the mum he had to go to a pre. She was ticked off. There was times. Um, I I even had to call the dad one time. There was one time he came in, and I mean, school at home starts at nine o'clock. He came in at ten past nine. He had ticked me off. I said, "You're going home." He's like, "I'm not going home." I said, "Who's not going home?" Just called the dad. I was like, "Mr. So and So, come and get him." He was like, Mr. Santi, why I mean? I said, come and get him now. Because if you don't come and get him now, I don't know if you're going to have a son by the, at 3.30. I don't know. I'm not sure. Because the energy he's come to school with today, I'm not on it. Yeah. He said, I'm not for that energy. You can't stay here. I said, come and get him now. So I got pulled in. They was like, you can't call parents and tell them, pick them up. But who's with him all day? I said, he was not in the right mindset to be here. Mm. So he can't be here. What's the point for us to be arguing all day long? I don't understand that. Because I came and said, you know what, I'm going to take him home. He said, because, Mr. Santi, I respect you and I know why you're telling me to come and pick him up. I mm. said, I'm not saying that he can't come back. I'm saying that for today, this energy is not right. Mm. And all he's going to do is spread that energy throughout the class. That can't happen. Take him home. Talk to him today. Bring him back. Tomorrow's a new day. Put him back. He was fine the next day. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah. Um, we we as a collective are needed mm. um we can't stop what we're doing um and it's a whole other entity on top of just being yeah. teachers you know we, we are teachers first no as a matter of fact no we're black teachers first and then yeah. we're teachers after that yeah, it's you know? true it is true um, we are i remember when i first started teaching i never forget i had my year 10 class and one of the first things I heard these girls say were, oh, my God, she's black. These other black girls are like, oh, my God, she's black. And I'm thinking, hang on, like, I can't remember what year it was. It was when I first started teaching. It's going on for eight years ago now. But you think, that's mad. Because when I look back at my, te- my time as a student, I never forget I had one teacher uh, Mr. Anderson, who was amazing, and he was actually the first black male that I had, and he was the first black male. Um, I think, like in the school, like we, there wasn't that many other um, black teachers in general. But I'm thinking this is like an inner city school in Wembley, and 
a lot of my friends, the other closest like black man in their life was my dad. So when they saw him, he was just um, Mr. Anson. He happened to have glasses just like my dad. So they're like, Rianne, there's your dad. There's your dad. And I think just because those presence of black males just in the area in itself just weren't strong enough. So people, this, as soon as they're like, oh, that's your dad. But that's the thing. Because there needs to be more of us. And I think they're starting to... Um, and I think, I don't know, for you, sometimes that is what almost draws me back to the idea of going back to teach at home, just because I know I'm actually needed. They're obviously, like here, I think we're having a big impact on these students, just for the fact that we're, um, you know, it's the same here. A lot of the teachers that they see here, um, even when you think about the makeup of the schools are so mm -hmm. diverse. They truly are international. But mm -hmm. yet they're being taught by white teachers. All the time. But you, you know, um, out here as well, they're, they're so used to it. And some of them even want those, you know, those white teachers. I remember um, when I started out, out here, um, I think when I got to the school, there was two, two black black female teachers, none none in primary. Um, they were they were in secondary, and then when we got there, there was four in primary alone. All came in the same year, two in the same year group. So it was like, what what is happening here? You know. <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing? You know what I mean? But um, when they then also realise that actually the cultures, um, culturally, how we are um, and how some of um, our Asian counterparts are, especially the Indian and the Pakistani, um, it was actually Miss, Mr. Santi holds those same values, yeah. those same morals. Show and play. So it was. You know, I was coined as the strict teacher, but at the same time, parents are like, yeah, I don't have a problem with that because I'm sending my child to school for a reason. Mm. So she's actually got the same morals that I would instill in my children when it comes to education when they get home. So if she's doing it at school and I'm doing it at home, we're good money. You know I mean, I, I don't have any problems with this. Um, so I think it was, it definitely was a bit of a, a cultural change um, in that school. Um, in my current school now, I mean, um, there's three, three black people. We're all females, and we're all in leadership. Mm. That alone, it actually needs a picture. Because no, that's, I, mean, I don't know in any other school in the UAE where that's probably the case. Where you've got mm. three black, you know, three black females um, in primary, and every single one is the step down from the other. So, if you want to take it to the next person, guess what? That person looks like mm. her. If you want to take it to the next person, guess what? The next person looks like her. So it's kind of like, mm, okay. Even if, that, even if that's the angle you wanted to use, there's no, there's, there's, there's literally not a pinpoint that you can try and use that angle because every single one of these women look alike. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, so it's very different. But I do get what you're saying though. I think the longer that I've been out here, I have thought about, Damn, like, 
let me take those skills that I've used out here, that resilience that I've had to build up out here, the patience that I've had to, um, to build out here, um, the understanding of how to communicate with um, people that are not necessarily maybe happy with the position that I'm in, these type of skills, and how am I going to transfer those to when I get home to be an agent of change? Mm. Because what I kind of for me, I don't want us to all leave here and go home and do exactly what we were doing at home. No. You know, we all need to use what we've learned. And on the front end, it's like, I haven't learned anything. There's some people that are like, I haven't learned anything. Mm. Like, they're so, they're, they're behind. And they are. They, 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 their system is built on our, our, English, our English system. Mm. So there's no way they can be in front of us if they're building, they're, they're taking from us, you know no, what I'm saying? It's actually but There's no way, they're going to be behind. They're about a good five, five to six years behind us. Mm. Their education system is based off of our educa- education system, which is based off of a 10-year plan. Mm. You know, um, that you're looking at when Tony Blair was in power, when um, those, you know, in the 80s was when education had its first reform. And so you're looking at the 80s and then, you know, you're going into those early 2000s and when there was a reform there. So there's no way, no way that they can. Can you still hear me, Miriam? Yeah. Sorry, hold on, let me just. Um... Oh. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, there's no way that they can be in front of us. They, ca- they cannot be. It's, it's not possible. You can't take from me and go in front of me and I'm still trying to go forward. But we need to remember that when we're going back, if we're going back into education, we need to go back with something that's going to propel us. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You, I'm coming back. Now, I'm coming back with purpose. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, I'm coming back to say, this is what I've learned when I was here. This is what I've learned in a system that is five years behind us. Mm. Here's how I know that we can propel this system, although it's five years behind. Mm. I'm looking at all of the holes in the system. Yeah. I'm using a system that's five years behind. So I can see where the holes are. I can see where the problems are. So I'm going to try and patch this, this and this, so that when we go forward, we're not going forward with those same holes. Because yeah. I don't, you know, we're going forward with a sieve. It's not going to work. No, it's, it's true. Because even when I know, you know, where, you know, obviously you don't know what, where life goes, isn't it? But at some point I do know I want to go back and teach in London, but there's no way I'm just applying for teacher of music and drama. It needs to be ahead of year or um, yeah. puts me on the forefront and something that allows me to be seen and to be that actual agent of change, like we said, where, um you know when you're just a teacher we do know especially just as a black teacher your voice isn't necessarily heard but i think Mm -hmm. the way to actually get our voices heard just a bit more even when we're still facing battles even when we're in these leadership roles and middle leadership roles we're still being battled we're not necessarily heard but we've got that title that allows us to be seen so if a parent wants to discuss something who are they going to us you know with they're on that forefront, definitely. How did you find though as well? Because you've taught in the UK and the USA and mm-hmm. the UAE. How have they all been like similar but different as well? I think um, 
the similarity children will be children mm. so no matter where you you know no, no matter where you go so to speak um you know ch- children will be children and children are children so i've noted that um with that being said i, I would be very intrigued to go to maybe an area that's not as westernized and see how the children behave and how they um you know how they are there because all of the countries that i've been to i've taught westernized children so i'll be interested to see that um all three countries their systems um their educational systems there's so many holes Mm. um so it it just goes to show you that educate globally there is a problem with education on a global standpoint um now with this being said i was actually just doing some research just last week um and there's um a test it's a global test called pisa and that gives you like the global ranking of countries when it comes to the education system so they do different tests in different different curriculum areas sometimes the the focus might be reading it might be a grammar so it will have like an english focus a math focus or science focus and then it gives the the ranking as it were it's not really supposed to be ranked but it does give the ranking of, of the different countries um yeah so you can see that in in the countries like the us and the uk the uk has a good education I wouldn't even, I don't even know if this is the great word, but they have an education system that works, but it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. And so because of that, um, what do we do for the children that it doesn't work for? You know, um, and that's what kind of my, my research at the moment is looking at. Okay, so this works, but it only works for this cluster of children. So if you're not in that cluster of children, what do you do? Yeah. You know, if your child is not in that cluster, what happens then? And so as reforms do that, that you know, and as, as educational researchers, they look at those type of things as well. Um, if you live in this area, does this, does this actually work for your, your children? Does that work for your child? Would it work for your child if you had a child and you lived in that area? You know what I mean? Um, so that I found and that I can see here, um, I can, I saw that in the U S as well, that there's education systems and it's just, it's, it's a line of best fit, you know, a system and these processes are a line of best fit. Who can it fit? Where can we fit the most children on this line and at what point? But then you've got, um, acts that say no child be, um, no child, uh, left behind. We can't have a act that says no child left behind when you're working on a system that's a system of best fit. Exactly. Someone is left behind, whether they're <laughs> up or whether they're below. Somebody, somebody is left behind, you know? You know, so that, that those are some of the similarities that I can see. The differences um, in the UK schools that I have worked in, this is not a blanket statement, um, I have found that and I've worked, I've worked in inner city schools, being, being from London and working in London. I have found that um, education is not important to everyone. Mm. Um, sometimes the poorest of the poor are just sitting and saying, listen, this is our, this is our makeup. 
I'm sending my child to school so that they've got something to do today. Yeah. So when you're talking to them, it's kind of, you're, you're, you're really talking to a stone wall. Mm. So you have to put in the effort, you've got to put in the work and you feel like you're doing 150 to get what you can get out of Louis, you know? Um, then in the States, um, I was very respected as a teacher. Um, there, there was a, a level of appreciation that I can honestly say I don't think I felt anywhere else, mm. so to speak. Um, it could be the the school that I was in. It could be you know the the parents that I had at that particular time. But there was definitely it could have been the area that I that I lived in. Obviously, the states is huge, yeah. um, but there was definitely a level of respect that um, you know what I said was gospel. Um, and how parents um, worked with me, with their children, amazing. So, so good. Um, here, it's, it's a split. I've seen parents who respect me for what I do, and then other parents just think that, you know, because they are paying money, I'm supposed to do this and I'm supposed to do that for them. I work in a school you know so it's been it's been very difficult to differentiate that I'm working my role my career is to work with children Mm. I haven't opted to work with adults it just so happens that you pay for this education you know for for your child to be educated but I don't my career is not to work with adults it's to work with children so that's been you know that's been a, a difficult line to obviously um, to clear up, to clarify. Um, and then this is the system that they have here. So can I be an agent of change here? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know. I feel, I definitely feel like that. I feel like, especially here, like being in, we are technically in the private sector. Yeah, we work until we're in the private sector. So we're very much, I feel like sometimes it's a customer service role. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a teaching role that we're doing. Every day we are teaching, we're teaching a curriculum and, you know, we're teaching children, but also it's a thing where it's the customer service aspect of it that is still very, it's high, isn't it? It's like we're customer service. Yeah, and, you know, when you're working in the public system, uh, that's a whole entity you don't have to worry about. You know, um, you don't have to worry about that customer service. You don't have to worry about um, someone you doing, uh, not even doing or saying something because this is our career. We're we're never going to do or say something whereby it's going to put us in it. I'm I'm sure people wouldn't do it knowingly or intentionally do or say something where it's going to put you in a position where you're like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. You know what I mean? but that that whole aspect of working with children for adults mm. that's a tricky one yeah so, it, is, it is one the tricky one yeah you asked you though the lastly obviously now you've taught here in the, the uae you taught in the uk and the usa where do you see your career going do you see it going to another country somewhere else somewhere completely different or do you see yourself maybe going back to the uk where do you see yourself going um 
I mean, I would love, my family's from Ghana. Um, I was trying, trying to see, my, my aunt actually um, opened uh, a little school in Ghana. So I got to, I didn't get to see it in motion because school was closed when I got there over winter break. Um, but I would love to do a stint um, in Ghana um, on my home turf. Um, and if, to be honest, if there was any, if there was any change that I could make, I would want to do it in the UK, but see if I can blueprint that and, and, you know, even maybe bring it to Ghana to see how I can better assist them. And do not misread uh, what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that they have a bad system at all, but every system can be bettered. Yeah. So because they don't have the resources that um, we have in the UK, it would be okay. How could I potentially um, organize or orchestrate that they can get those resources and we can make a better system um, in, in Ghana? So that definitely would be something that I would want to do looking at either international policy, educational policy or educational policy in the UK um, and working on those changes. Um, yeah, to, to, to help children in either of those two areas, to be fair. Um, being from London, that's always going to be my heart. That's always going to be the kids that I, I would want to to work with and to make those changes for. If it if it affects other children, obviously positively, hey, that's that's a bonus, you know. But um, and a lot a lot of those the changes that they make affect us in in the big cities first, anyway. So I think that would be my major draw. To, to look at look at policies, look at change. That's where I want to go. So to look at policy, look at change um, in education and then see how I could effectively take that internationally if possible. Definitely. Thank you, Chantel. Thank you for coming to teach a talk. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And everyone, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Keep listening. Keep following us on Instagram and stay tuned for the next episode.